We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast. We are back once again, once again, with a vengeance. Are we back with a vengeance? I'm confused. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether we're back with a vengeance or not. It's it's. You don't think so? I don't know. Uh, I feel like we're ready to talk about some basketball. Yeah, now we are. That that we're definitely about. Um. Yeah, but we're going to stick to the sports. We're, we're gonna, sticking to the sports. We're sticking to the sports. I feel like we get the most views when we stick to the sports. I'm, I think if we start off with something that doesn't have to do with sports, people like just turn us off. What about right now? They're still listening because they think that we're getting to the sports. We're just going to lead them on until they're done listening to the episode and they're like, wait, what? Yeah, it's going to be one of those. No, no, no. no. We're, we're actually going to talk about some sports right now. Um, so let's get to it. Let's start with the, the breaking news this, this evening, I guess, or a few hours ago when... Former head coach Sonny Dykes is now officially the offensive consultant or offensive analyst for Texas Christian. Man, you got me with the breaking news and all that. Yeah. Here I was thinking you were going to talk about the other breaking news. <laughs> I think we'll start with that one. So this one is this one everybody knew. This is like a secret that everybody was already in on. We're just li- waiting for official, like quote-unquote official news. What do you think about this? It seems like from what we know that he might have taken other options out there but i think i'm ha- i mean i'm i'm mainly concerned for sonny just from like a human perspective like his dad has a terminal illness and that can't be easy selling his house moving back to texas like he's going back to his roots which i think is important um gets to be nearby his family and is continuing to work and i think like I have no ill will against him. I really want him to do well. So I hope it's just a little stopgap and then he finds his way back to coaching. I have no doubt that he could be successful. I just don't think he um, really has the chops in the Pac-12 as head coach. But, like, I didn't even see him being successful. Like, when they were talking about Baylor, um, you know, Baylor isn't exactly well-known for their defense. So I still think that he has the potential to coach a particular type of program up. I just don't think it was us. I don't yeah. think it's a Pac-12 team. I think he fits somewhere in the Midwest. I think he fits somewhere with a certain academic standard at the school because I think he I think he genuinely likes that selling point of whatever school he's at, that, the whole academic side of it. Just the only thing is it just wasn't right at Cal. Like he, it just... What do you think of the TCU role? I think it's a good role for him. I think if, especially if your father's ill, like, you know, it's been said then you're not going to be as hand-tied in terms of, like, the team and, like, your role of being a part of the team every single week in, week out, right? You're not game-planning realistically. You're just you're just kind of an overseer, like a quality control guy more so. So your role is definitely limited, but at the same time, you'll be working and you'll be near home. All in all, it, it all makes sense that he would he would go back there. Uh, and I do think he'll he'll get a offense coordinator or head coaching job elsewhere at at some point, uh, whether it's after the season or not. 
I saw a tweet from an Arizona fan saying that like, you know, we're setting or start the clock, start the countdown for Rich Rob being fired and Sonny Dykes becoming our head coach. Like, <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> is, I don't know. That's absolutely nuts. That means that guy wants Sonny, right? Yeah, this is. I'm like not. Am I not? Am I getting this right? He Twilight wants. Zone. <laughs> Sort of weird <laughs> parallel universe. Some alternate facts. Yeah. Some alternative <laughs> facts. alternative facts. That guy's uh, not thinking clearly, but hey. I mean, if that's what he wants, that's what he wants. Put him on our schedule, I'm down. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> I guess that's pretty terrible to say. Hasn't I, been that long. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, yeah, I mean, just, I think that's the last bit of, like, Sonny Dykes news that I think will ever encounter in terms of like you know it, in terms of like writing for our website like i wrote that article and put it up but it was like it was a quick one but it's it's like whenever you hire or fire a head coach like i think the last thing you ever talk about him in, in terms of getting closure is like where he goes next well well if he comes back to the pac-12 then that's a totally <clears throat> different issue but i think you know like tedford like it was kind of like a oh he went to Tampa Bay, and then... You uh, know we covered every bit of every single move when he went to Tampa yeah, Bay. Tampa Bay, and then the British Columbia. British Columbia. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, and also, Holmo, he came back years later right. as BYU's at AD. Which he still is. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know if we covered that. Oh, we had to have covered it. When we played BYU that one year. Oh, then, yeah, we did. I'm sure we did. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think... I think this is where we kind of lore, yeah, amongst old coaches that you have. I feel like that exists. That no matter what, because I think Sonny was a polarizing figure too. Like some people still, there were like a couple holdouts of people that liked him at the end. Some hate him, some love him, but I think it was a genuine split. I don't think there was a middle ground for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think that you ended up being pretty on one side or the other, but. I, I do. Th- I wouldn't be surprised if we had like a couple of sunny rumors come about over the course of next season, and if we were writing about them, at least talking about it. You know, we're gonna be talking about it. Yeah, on the yeah, pod. yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, especially if he's gonna come back to a Pac-12 rival too. Yeah. So, For I mean, sake, I hope he doesn't do that. But. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just the one one little addendum to to add to that before we close out this this headline is that he was the front runner for the ASU offensive coordinator position. You know, that's that's who Todd Graham wanted, but I think Sonny would have definitely taken it if not for the family issues. And I, I saw a tweet from some Arizona newspaper or something saying that that was the reason. Like, the reason he declined that job was due to family issues. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't a straight-up no or anything. So, could have worked. That would have been weird, though. Granted, we don't play ASU for, like, another two years, but that would have been weird. <laughs> I think... Yeah, I think he has the chance to be successful wherever he goes. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he found success and um, elsewhere, elsewhere. Yeah, whether it be at a coordinator position, like coordinator, sure. Yeah, I think Chip Kelly. I like those Chip Kelly to Alabama rumors. Which yeah, since Sark is now officially the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, what a weird oh, hire there. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. Well, I don't understand how Sar keeps landing these jobs. Is he really that gifted of a like football mind? Someone I I have a friend who's a huge Atlanta Falcons fan, and he actually flew back to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Brutal, um, yeah, brutal. But he uh, he tweeted out this morning after the Sark news broke. He's like, Sark has a son named Brady. We're doomed. <laughs> oh, the irony! The irony. Oh, speaking of the Super Bowl, can we talk about the Super Bowl for a split second before we move on? Yeah. How was that not the greatest Super Bowl you've you've as an objective game? For me, I think that was the greatest Super Bowl that I've ever watched, at least in my lifetime. Okay. Well, that really puts it in in a different type of category that I hadn't really thought of ahead of time. I think uh, Rams Titans was one of those games yes. that really stood out to me as being an excellent game. Um, Patriots Giants, oh seven or the Tyree catch, yeah, okay, uh, and then Plaxico Burris in the end zone. I I think you might find yourself I I find myself agreeing with you like from uh, like 
holy bleep, like, how is this happening? happening? It was definitely the greatest comeback I've ever seen. Like, but that's kind of stupid because, duh. Um, no team has ever come back <laughs> yeah, like, that's from like, 19 points, more than 19 points down. Forgive my <laughs> silly comment. Um, but I, it depends on their definition of game. So if you're going to say, do you look at the game as being, do you look at a better game as being like competitive back and forth the entire time? So where seven, teams, seven, zero, seven, seven, 14, seven, right. 14, and 14, like, like somebody yeah. edges it right at yeah. the end. Like kind of like that Steelers Cardinals. Yes. Um, or do you look at it as being like the one where a team mounts a comeback? Because I think a lot of people would fault this game still on Atlanta as being like blowing it rather than the Pats winning it, which I think is ridiculous. I'm just going to say that. I think it's ridiculous. Like no team in the NFL, none, not one, looks at a 25-point deficit with – basically a quarter left and says, we got this except for the Patriots. It's the only team. Every other team would have been, nope, this isn't it. I don't even care if they say otherwise themselves. There no chance. They're looking up at that scoreboard and saying, not our, not our year. No, even Brady's body language after that first, first possession in, in the fourth quarter where they, he had, he, they basically gave up the ball and he kind of just walked back and he was just he, shoulders down and everything. And then, and then the miracle starts to happen, and it just they get out of field goal range, and then they have to punt it, and then you know you, they didn't miss Brady didn't miss a single one of those passes really, and then the Edelman catch of course that amazing amazing I yeah. amazing amazing and that it's weird because up until that point the two Julio Jones catches at the sideline were absolutely mind blowing how he. How he toe tapped. Like the first one was just like a ballerina toe stretch. Oh, yes, that, that one. That but was, then the second one where he got the left foot down and then the right foot down trailing, he just he just forces his foot down just to tap the grass. You know what I liked most about that was because Joe Buck had called so many of Aaron Rodgers' passes like that were completed out of bounds. He actually got that call right. I thought it was pretty epic. Yeah. It's, man. But yeah, I mean, it sucks that Alex Mack couldn't get that ring. Um, but I guess we can talk about Alex Mack for a little bit. I mean, the man played with a fractured fibula. That that's that's a six to eight week recovery in the normal or off season. Like if you had <laughs> if you had injured that at any other point, that's six to eight weeks that you're in a cast. And he injured this, I guess, during the the NFC Championship game. As someone who just had a fractured patella, yes, that is my knee. <laughs> I can't imagine in any in any reality <laughs> play, doing like any normal activity like you're like oh Andy go skateboard like no <laughs> go for a hike no go block a three hundred and thirty pound defensive lineman who's trying to kill your quarterback definitely not <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was unbelievable the sad fact of it is that one of those sacks at the end of the game was. Came at his expense. Yeah. But the guy played, he played pretty much like lights out for the yeah. first half. It, it's just, I think the stamina just started to hit him, you know, maybe at the, towards the end of the third, fourth quarter. You can kind of see that he was struggling with that leg. It was incredible. But up to that, yeah, it's, that's. <laughs> My dad made a comment and he's like, just imagine the pain medications that he's on. <laughs> yeah. How is he making the right, like, blitz calls? When you're on that much pain, medica- pain medication, like it's like you probably can't even feel your own right leg. <laughs> that felt very reminiscent of like Rob Nen. Hopefully Alex Mack, you know, knock on wood, hopefully he plays longer than, but of uh, Rob Nen in the Giants in 2002 and basically sacrificing the rest of his career just for the chance at the championship. Because it's like, I can't imagine like dealing with a physical therapist like I, how many of them are saying, like, don't do that? Like, yeah. imagine the damage that you, you can cause long term by aggravating that injury or making it worse. And who knows? But in the NFL, you know, those contracts, it's not like a baseball or basketball contract. They're not guaranteed. They're not fully it's, guaranteed. It's like one of those things where very well next year, if they find out, oh, boy, like, this is a big problem, and they cut, they'll, they'll cut them, and it's, it's ruthless in that sense. Yeah. So... It, he's an amazing representative representative 
representative, Repres- yes, of Cal, <laughs> and uh, and then I was honestly found myself in a weird position because I was really rooting for greatness and I wanted to see five rings, but at the same time I wanted him to get his ring. So I kind of went from a position of being like, oh come on, like make the comeback, and then once the comeback finally happened, I felt this weird wave of almost like a sadness in the in that like. I didn't really want it to end, and I kind of wanted both teams to somehow win. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how it kind of felt, too. I think as soon as the comeback happened, I got wrapped up in the moment of the comeback happening, and then I realized what had just happened. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... I One of the buddies that was at my place watching, he... he it's not a football fan. He just literally fell in love with the sport this year due to me and another one of my friends. And <clears throat> he looked at both of us, and he said... Like, uh, I don't fully understand the game of football, but I do understand one thing. And we were like, what? He's like, we literally witnessed probably the greatest quarterback of our time. Like, not not just of our time, but, like, in all of football time. And we just saw him just write his mark down in history. Like, just etch it on the spot. Exactly. And that was, I, I thought of that first listening, and I was like, that is so true. Yeah, like we literally just witnessed history. That's what that's what I wanted. That's what I was rooting for. Really, the whole game was to see that. Be- Belichick too. Yeah, of course. Like, those two of like seeing the Walsh and Montana of our generation yeah. and a better version of it. It's something. Like, they've won five championships in seventeen years. Is that right? Yep. That Been to the Super Bowl seven times. Unbelievable. Yeah, that is ridiculous. It's basically like a trip to the Super Bowl every two years. Yeah. <laughs> Despite, like, the weapons that he had, right? I mean, the defense for every single Pats team that has been to the Super Bowl has been outstanding. You know, starting from the, the Mike Rabels, you know, to to the uh, the, the Troy Laws, you know, that, that anchored those defenses. But then the offenses have never been, like, Superstar, like three, four guys, right? Like Except for 2007 when they lost. Exactly. Like Peyton's always had, you know, the Edgar and James Hall of Fame running back, Reggie Wayne Hall of Fame wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Hall of Fame wide receiver. Yes, but I could counter you and say that Peyton made those guys Hall of Fame wide receivers. That is true, too. That is true. But you look at the weapons that Brady had, like Troy Brown, um, like that. Like that's the the first name I can think of is is Troy Brown, that uh, Bengals running back who was like thirty three, thirty four that joined Corey Dillon. Yes, Corey Dillon. That's the jersey I was wearing. On <laughs> <Sunday>. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 impressive to say the least. Very yeah, impressive. Yeah, he certainly hasn't had the same weapons as other as other Super Bowl winning teams. Mm-hmm. But of course, you can counter that by saying you know. He had Wes Welker one year. Yep. Maybe he didn't need him. Yeah. Like this year he had Edelman. And then I, uh, the one thing I was sad about this Super Bowl was to see Shane Vereen's record being broken by James White. Oh, it was his record that got broken? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, receptions by running back in the in the Super Bowl. I think uh, I think Vereen had 11 when he won. Hmm. Um, but then James White had 14 for 110 yards. In. So I was wondering, does Chris Harper – get a Super Bowl ring because he was on the Patriots roster. I don't think year. so. I think you need to be on 40% of the games. I don't really, think I, that's it? Yeah, I think I don't think he was on the active roster for 40% of the games. Gotcha. I believe that's the number. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's the number. I know the NBA it's 55, I think. I think it was 55%. Hmm. You have to be on the active roster of that team for 55%. That's why Verjao got one. Mm-hmm. So. Or decline. Yeah. Decline one. Yeah. And now he's cut. Mm-hmm. Looking for a job. Mind blowing. Um, other yeah. breaking news. Other breaking news. Cal has hired another assistant coach. Yay! So mm-hmm. I believe the current count. So we were allowed nine assistants. I believe that's eight, including this one. So we have one more spot left. When is the NCAA thing happen? Uh, I believe the 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 voting actually happens either later this month or early next month. So then, starting April, we'll be able to hire ten. So, uh, we have hired a special teams coach who looks to be a pretty outstanding hire. And also, judging from his title at his current school, it looks like he might actually be coaching tight ends as well. 
So not to hold you guys in suspense, but uh, the new one I just put together. Yeah. And this could mean this could be big for a particular Michigan tight end that was looking to come back to the West Coast. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. Um, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because I have something on that that I want to share, too. Okay. Uh, but first, uh, Charlie Ragel, I believe that's how I say his name. He is the assistant coach, tight ends, and special teams coach at Arizona. Uh, he was – this is his – this past year was his fifth year at Arizona, fourth year as tight ends and special teams coordinator. Um, yeah, the guy's coaching history and pedigree is pretty outstanding. He was uh, – the Arizona Titans special teams coach in 2013, um, and from 2007 to 2011, he was the uh, Chaparral High School in Arizona's head coach. He was an Arizona State grad assistant in 2006, and then a Chaparral High School defensive coordinator in 2005. So he's he's been pretty much just in the state of Arizona, which means our recruiting pipeline in Arizona becomes quite good. And we've already recruited decently out of Arizona. But I think it just gets a lot better. And apparently he's also a stud recruiter. By all means of the word. So there's... If he's coaching tight ends too, you got Coach, you got coach Tui coaching quarterbacks who's an, as a stud recruiter. You got Coach Rakel now who's a coach tight ends who's a stud recruiter. You got Coach Nick Edwards who I love, by the way, after I talked to him last week. And he's, I think he's going to be a pretty dang good uh, recruiter, too. You got that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, of course, with Gerald Alexander and whoever comes in as our linebackers coach, that's – we're game on. Oh, that, so that means that means we have seven uh, coaches on staff right now. So we have two more – yeah, two more spots, eight and, eight and nine. It does feel like we've been able to get just a very solid caliber of coaches. Yeah. It's – and it, we, it's not like we up, you know, got, in terms of the positional coaches and the assistant coaches, it's not like we reached hard on some of them. Did you mention Greatwood in that bunch? I did not. Greatwood. He's, yeah, he's, he's a hell of a recruiter, too. Yeah. So is uh, Uncle Azanari. Uncle, yeah. We're just going to call him Uncle Azanari. I just, he just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're just going to push for that. Uh, but, you know, let me just give you, uh, so the Arizona, um, Desert Swarm, their, uh, the, our sister SB Nation site for Arizona, they just put up an article about this. And so he talks about, uh, you know, a, a bunch of Regal and stuff like that. So Wilcox, uh, this is quoting their website, Wilcox offered Regal a three-year deal, according to the report. Uh, this will be the third Arizona assistant to bolt this offseason. That's crazy. They lost three assistants. That's huge. Uh, but the value of, this is, quote, the value of Regal lies in recruiting, specifically in the Phoenix area. He was a big reason why Arizona got Mike King Johnson out of Tempe. Mm-hmm. He was also the lead guy in the recruitments of Keenan Walker, Michael Elatiz, and Jalen Harris. Elatiz is actually one of the offensive linemen that we tried to go after, too, under Sonny. All of whom had great deal offers to play elsewhere. All right? So let me just give you the rundown. So from Mike King Johnson, three-star on rivals. He's the 26th best defensive end in the country, eighth in the state. Offer sheet included Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Texas A&M, UCLA, SC, Washington. Okay? Wow. Next one, Keenan Walker, offensive tackle, 30th offensive tackle in the country, 4th in the state. Offer sheets included Arizona Arizona State, Michigan, Nebraska, Ohio State, Texas, Texas A&M, UCLA, USC, Washington. <laughs> you beat quite a bunch. Next one is four-star guard, uh, Michael Altis, 18th. Guard in the country, number two in the state. His his offer sheet is is through the roof. Uh, Arizona, uh, Arizona State, Auburn, Alabama, Boston College, Cal, Colorado, Florida, Florida State, uh, LSU, Michigan, Whoa. Michigan State, Mississippi, Mississippi State, <laughs> Nebraska. That is re- that is quite the list. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oregon, Penn State, San Diego, San Diego State, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech. Yeah, I can go down the list. Uh, Washington, Wisconsin. So. I don't think he had enough choice. No. <laughs> and then the last one uh, out from that list is Jalen Harris, three-star uh, defensive end, 37th defensive end in the country, ninth in the state. Um, and his offer list included the likes of Louisville, Notre Dame, Oregon, Oregon State, San Diego State, uh, UCF, Vanderbilt, Washington, Washington State. There you go. Mm. Iowa State as well. 
And he pulled all these guys from there. Solid. Solid. And the big thing, the big thing is, he kept them at home. Yeah. They're all Arizona guys. And he kept them at home. That's huge. That's the, that, I think that, not only is his pipeline into Arizona going to be huge for us, because since he was a high school head coach mm. in Arizona, I think that, that already you have inroads with other coaches. Yeah, so true. Second is you probably already know families in that area because you probably maybe coach an older brother or you coached a cousin, you know, or, or, or something like that, right? And that's how you get that connection. Come out to the tepid climate in the Bay Area where it's <laughs> 60 degrees and raining every yeah. day. <laughs> you don't want to live in 90 degrees heat and then, you know, 30 degree night weather. You want to live in all days 65 to 70. That's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, it's a fa- it seems like just another fantastic hire for our staff and... It's, it is really impressive. It's hard to not get super excited about what's going on. I kind of wish this had all happened earlier just so we would have been able to like kind of relish in a little bit more of the moment of the recruiting yeah. and seeing them actually develop over a month rather than now. But I'm just incredibly pleased with where this program is headed. It just is uh, – I think we lost sight of ourselves a little bit in our own potential. Yeah. At least I did. I think it's fair to say, like, when you, when you read those lists, yeah. particularly those first two players, and yeah. Cal isn't mentioned, but you hear, like, UCLA, Washington, SC, and Ohio these, State. Well, Nebraska. But, like, <laughs> Ohio State is a little bit of an outlier because I look at that from the academic side, too. Yes. And think, I usually use the UCLA one. And, like, UCLA pulls these guys, and we know that UCLA has high requirements for academics, not as high as ours, but we know that they have to deal with it. Um, and so it's good to see, I'm excited to see people that can start creating that with Cal. Yeah. I'm, I mean, so the, the last two hires that we're waiting for now is let, if he does coach special teams and air and tight ends, then the last two hires that we're waiting for is most likely running back and linebackers, which I think arguably could be the most high profile in terms of the assistant hires. It's not going to be Tarver. Apparently he's being. I think he's going to come with Shanahan to the Niners. Okay, so there's not there. There goes one candidate, but I think that was a reach, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. I was like, <laughs> we're going to get Tarver, who's like being considered for D coordinator positions. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think. I don't even know. Like, I still think the linebacker hire is important from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah. But from a coaching standpoint, I'm not as concerned. No, no, no. I think. Just because I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball, I think I'd want that linebacker's coach to be a stud recruiter, right? That's the only thing that I would want. Um, just because all the other positional coaches are good, but Alexander Edward uh, Alexander is going to be good. It's just he doesn't have the experience in the Pac-12. So there's just an asterisk question mark there. Um, Azanari is going to be good just because his pedigree, right? But I think he's a better coach than he is a recruiter. But I don't. I've never been in recruiting, so this is just all my own uh, opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why you need that that stud recruiting. You know, like Coach Tui on the offense, and now, of course, uh, Ragel for the tight ends. Like that, you want that type of guy, that just stud stalwart guy on the defensive side of it. Um, but you know how I'm. I'm not sure how he's gonna how Wilcox is gonna set up the recruiting like in the areas and stuff. I think you might actually just go by areas. I don't think you send out guys based on the position. I think you you get initial contact through like let's say Ragel in the state of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Let him just recruit and get guys in Arizona. Once you gauge interest and know the guys that you want to go after for sure, then you send the you know the. If it's a linebacker, you send the linebacker's coach. If it's if it's quarterback, you send coach Tui. If it's you know a running back, then you send the running back coach. Like, I think you got to go that route. Just because we have so many stud recruiters that are position coaches, not coordinators, that you have to kind of let them work their magic, and then just zone in on them through our position coaches. I think our position coaches are good enough to seal the deal. Um, it's just you need that foot in the door first, and and like know that. The family and, and the kid are comfortable with at least one guy on the coaching staff before, you know, you, you just randomly enter the house, right? So, 
yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly psyched for this coaching staff, and especially especially if they hold uh, spring training or spring camp, spring football open, which should start in in a matter of weeks, um, and we're able to go out to a couple of them, then I'm going to be even more hyped just because of what I'm going to see. I yeah, I mean, I've been to, I went to basically every single fall camp during Sunny's last year here and spring ball. And so it was, I'm just excited to see the differences. Um, and of course, Tom Riddall set the bar pretty low in terms of special teams. So I'm also excited to see how Riggle does on that department. So last bit of football news. Yes. Aaron Cochran. Yes. Announced that he is... Graduating from Berkeley, mm-hmm. congratulations, mm-hmm. and then transferring from the program mm-hmm. to play his final year of eligibility elsewhere. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Good for him. I wish him all the best. I'm glad he graduated and didn't, you know, just leave. Um, but I also thank him for making this about him, but at the same time, Think big, thinking bigger picture. Because I think the big thing that a lot of kids that age can just immediately do is it's a reaction, right? My best, my, I mean, the, the whole rumor was that he was really co- uh, really tight with uh, the offensive line coach, Brandon Jones. So once he was let go of, he could have immediately tr- decided to transfer. But he decided to stay because he, he, this, is, this is where he wants to be. He wants to be at Cal. This is the school that he committed to. So he gave Greatwood a shot. He gave Wilcox a shot. He was willing to listen to them. And he he didn't drag it on, but he took his time in deciding, you know, all the way until now. And then now that he made his decision, you know, he's decided to graduate and he wants to go elsewhere to, to maybe increase his draft stock and maybe get into the league. And I'm fine with that. Um, if he if he doesn't feel like it's gonna he's not gonna fit into this system here where he's not going to learn that much. If that's how he felt, that's fine. But the best thing I liked was that, you know, neither him nor his father, Roderick Cochran, who's on Twitter you know, as well, nothing about the school, nothing bad about the school, nothing bad about the coaching staff. It's just personal decision, you know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not leaving without graduating is kind of what he wrote in that thing, which is what he's doing. I'm fine with that. And he spent, you know, three years here. Granted, is there some things that we would like back in those three years? Maybe. Maybe we, maybe if he didn't get injured, you know, maybe we, you know, we'd see a better version of him. But that's just, that's neither here nor there. And I just wish him the best wherever he goes. Yeah. That's a wonderful take. Yeah. Can't think of anything else. I mean, if, if that's all, so this, this goes back to our Coach Wilcox hire talk. If that's if this is all we lost, we lost one guy to a grad transfer in terms of the guys that are already on the team, and we lost what six I think commits, but then we got four or five more. Yeah, we got like all six back. Yeah, yeah. You know, we 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 went with other guys, but you know, we filled them out. Man, I mean. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with when Sonny came in, you know, all those guys that just decided to leave. Of course, the culture was different at the time, too. But I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed um, with the way that – I don't know how that first conversation went, you know, between Wilcox and, and, the, and the guys. Um, but I do, know that, I do know this, and I think I'm allowed to say this, is that Coach Wilcox, before the official announcement – was made, um, talked to his guys. So, you know, after all the contract signing, all that good stuff, he he made sure that he was the one that talked to the players first before the official news broke. And I don't know what happened in that conversation, but of course we saw on Twitter what happened with that, in that conversation, right, with Darius Allenworth and all them. And if most guys are not transferring and staying, man, he did one hell of a job persuading them to stay. And if that's the case, I can only imagine what it's going to be like with recruits and then going forward. Yeah, somebody's buying it. Somebody's yeah, buying it. Yeah, somebody's someone. It. Yeah. Can we buy what he's selling? I, I, <laughs> we can. Season tickets, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, renew your season tickets. 
<laughs> All right, we have to get some basketball. We have to. Shooty hoops. Shooty hoops. Nam Nam calls it shooty hoops. All right, let me let me ask you this. Over the last couple of weeks, since we haven't been able to talk about basketball, since we have a lot of football to talk about, mm-hmm. right? What are you most impressed with? I mean, I know you you and I, we have press passes, so we go to the games. Um, and you've been to a lot more games than you <laughs> initially thought you'd be at. <laughs> so many more. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still a handful left. Yep. But up till now, what's the most impressive about this, this basketball team? I know... You don't have that much of a gauge. That's why I'm asking you because I know you, you didn't I, – I don't think you watched a lot of the games from last year. I did. I mean, I watched a lot on – On television. On television, but I didn't really I, – I felt like I was pretty – yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely way more into football. Yeah. Hmm. But what, what's most impressed – what's most impressing about this team? I think – what to me is the most noticeable difference, and this could be entirely inaccurate, <laughs> is but what I really notice is I can pinpoint the exact moment when the energy picks up on defense a lot more this year than I was able to last year. I felt like because of the fact that we don't have as many offensive weapons, like we play almost like a sounder level of defense. In some of the bigger games that I've seen us play, like Virginia, Arizona, even part of that UCI game, like there, there are moments when even going back to Utah, when you see the defense really clamp down and it's like noticeable. And it, it's, it feels like a lot more of an asset to me this year than it did last year for whatever reason. Um, even and though I think, statistically last year we were better. Yeah. And I think that has to do with Kingsley. And his ability to to actually be like a rim protector, I don't tied for seventeenth in the country in blocks per game. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, it's a it's an element that I just remember like Potal playing him last year and just getting dominated. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like we've. It, it, certainly, there are guys that can play well against us down low. Yeah, uh, but it does feel like we have just a different element to our game. And so, like for me, that's that's the biggest thing that I've noticed so far. As far as, like, positives. I think for me, the positives I take away from this is that we actually have, and I'm not taking anything away from Ty Wallace, um, but we have a real point guard. Um, Ty was initially recruited as a shooting guard, played shooting guard his freshman year when we still had Cobbs and Alan Crabb and all them, played shooting guard again his sophomore year when... Cobbs was still here, Richard Solomon was still here, Crabs was still here, but we lost Alan Crabb. And then his junior year, he becomes the point guard. And then he plays the point guard again senior year when he decides to come back. So he's more of a combo guard, per se, than he is an actual true point guard, you know, playing that point position all his life. Charlie is that true point guard. And Sam is good in all his, with all that he does. But... Anyone can see that Charlie's something something special. He's something different at that position. And at the beginning of the year with that UCI game, we knew he could score. The kid dropped 38, beat Shareem Abdul-Rahim's record that had stood tall for, was like, 20-something years. So he did that. We knew that was there. The big thing was, was could he start getting other guys involved? Could he start getting other guys better? Would he not force shots? And that's changed over the last four or five games. The kid over the last four games has been averaging six and a half assists. The kid also has been averaging, I think, about four, three, three and a half turnovers a game. So it's not great. It's like a two-to-one ratio. You want that higher as a point guard. But you can definitely see that he knows the guys more. Um, He knows where guys are going to be. He knows the tendencies that guys are going to do. Like that that Utah game, the two, or that the game-winning alley-oop dunk that he threw to Jabari Bird... Happened twice before that. The exact same play. So he kind of knows that once he makes eye contact, if he throws it up anywhere near there and there's and Jabari's running baseline, he'll get up to go get it. And so there's that. He's also had a bunch of little drives and little little uh, push passes to the bigs, lead passes that he can get in for, for easy layups or dunks. So I think his decision-making, which I did ask him after, the, I believe it was the Utah game, um, and I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, my decision-making has gotten a lot better. There, Conzo's making sure that he's working with the bigs every single day to make sure that off the pick and rolls, he knows what to do, who to pass to, and where guys are 
going to be that aren't in his field of view. So that's the most impressive to me is the, the evolution of Charlie from the first game all the way to now. Because the first game he was just freshman phenom. Now he's looking like this kid could be like a seasoned, really good point guard for us for the next two, three years. Yeah, exactly. Someone that you can build around. Yeah, and which is clearly what we're doing next year. So we're just loading up on shooters to surround him. Um, but yeah, what's for you? What's the most disappointing thing from this season so far? I think it's very obvious, <laughs> actually. Uh, I think it's the same for the both of us for this one. You think so? I think so. Oh, I don't know. So, uh. all right. <laughs> for me, the most disappointing aspect of it is the weight of the loss of Jordan Matthews. I feel like once. A game, every single game, I find myself thinking, oh, I still wish we had Jordan Matthews on this team. Because we would be moved from, I think, you know, middle to to middle high. I'm going to call it the middle high. Yeah. Like, you know, of the Pac-12 to really in back into the top three, if I think we had him on this team. And Which we are in the top three, by the way, just letting you know. I know, but... <laughs> We are tied for third. We are tied for third. Projecting that we're going to finish, I think we're going to finish right around where people expect us, like fifth or fourth. Yeah. Long term, yeah. um, Yeah. So I I just, I I felt I was like last game. And there seem to be these droughts in every single game, like these scoring droughts that just drive me crazy. Like we'll just come out super hot and then we'll just go ice cold and like disappear. Uh, And Jordan Matthews was actually a player that could create his own shot. Um, You know, he could hit a jumper, he could be outside of the arc. So I, uh, I just feel his I feel his absence bigger than I expected. Yeah, I think the big thing is you're you're missing that one other shooter to balance the floor. Like Grant's a good shooter, but that's he's so streaky. Um, like he went at at one point he was like two for ten in this past Colorado game. So the Utah game was devastating. Yeah, he was like he, what, he, three of eleven or something. Yeah, he just could not make a shot. So. But then there's also games where he lights it up and he goes for like, you know, six of nine from three, you know. So so that's why he's so streaky. But you need if you had that consistent guy on the other side, you place Jabari on one and you place Jordan Matthews on the other, which we did last year, it it was it it kept balance, right? Um, which I think will come next year in the form of having one of the best shooters in the twenty seventeen class in Jamal Baker coming in. Along with Joan Harris Dyson, that small forward who Justice Suing. Justice Suing Suing as well. Um I I do think Harris Dyson would be the one that would start at that position. Um just because he's he's so athletic and his shot's getting better every single like tournament that I've seen him play in. And so yeah, I, and he need they need a slasher from the wing as well. So I think that gets you that balance because you have now Charlie on the outside and you have um What's it? Jamal Baker next year. But we're getting ahead of ourselves for next year. Uh, for this year, yeah, I think I, yeah, I was, I'm totally on board with that. Not having Jordan Matthews, absolutely devastating. Especially when it comes to the fact that we usually play not with Ivan at the five, but we play with um, King or Cam at the five, which means that you're going to have two guys on the blocks or Ivan running along the free throw line, basically. Um, along the elbows, and you don't. If that double team comes, you don't have a shooter on the short side. Um, you only have, or you only have one shooter. So you, you're only going to place them either on the short side, right next to Ivan, which you're not going to do because you want the spacing. You're going to, if you put him on the other side, then he has to make a cross court pass to get it to the best shooter. Then you can't keep defenses honest because they're just going to overload the side that Ivan's on, which is significantly. Like, just not allowed Ivan to operate the way that he likes to. He's had to play out of double teams a lot, which we've seen. Every game. It's incredible. Um, and people, you know, are saying, like, why can't we get him out of double teams? Like, I think there just comes a point where you're if they send the double team, you just have to pass out of it and repost. Or you pass out of it and you swing the ball around. There's not much you can really do in terms of, like, if he gets double-teamed, you're going to call this play. Um, there's times where you see the double-team come, and Ivan sees it coming, so he dribbles around it, and then he throws a pass baseline 
to the shooter in the corner and we nail those threes. That's not going to be there every single time, especially depending on where he is getting double teamed. It's very obvious that when teams don't double Ivan down low, he dominates. Yeah. And then that they're getting so blown up with that mismatch that they they have to send the second. Yeah. And that generally can be when our offense stalls. Yeah. Or he gets into foul trouble yeah. on some BS and Calls. that also will stall the offense. But Ivan is the key. Yeah. For sure. He makes everything run. He's like, if there was anyone on the offense, I'd say it's like obviously irreplaceable. I'd say it's him for now. Yeah. So here's the thing with basketball. We're 8-3 and three right now. We're tied with UCLA for third. Um, Oregon just destroyed Arizona, by the way, over the weekend. That was a, that was a mauling. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what happened there. It just, it just happened. But So we still have both of those teams on the schedule. We do not play any of the LA schools. Um, I believe we play Arizona State tomorrow night. We play Arizona Saturday. Then we come home to play at Stanford on Friday. Then we host the two Oregon schools. Then we're away at Utah, Colorado, and we're done with the season. So we just have, yeah, okay, so Oregon I'll be at. So so we just have that one Stanford game that week on that Friday? Yeah. Oh, cool. Next week. So it's a free, it's a pretty open, open week in terms of a game next week. So we, my prediction is, here we go, we split these next two, right? We'll win one, we'll lose the other. I'm pretty sure you can guess which one we're going to win and which one we're going to lose. Then we'll be at 9-4. and four. Mm-hmm. We beat Stanford, and then we have 10-4. and four. And then we host the two Oregon schools. I think we split that, so we'll go 11-5. and five. And then we go to Utah, Colorado, and that's where it gets iffy. If we split it, then we'll be at 12-6. and six. If we lose both, we'll be at 11-7, which I think that pretty much wraps up any hope of getting to the NCAA tournament. What? If we lose both of those. 11-7 and seven wouldn't get to the NCAA tournament? Yeah. No way. I don't think the Pac-12 is strong enough this year where it gets us there. I think if we're at 11-7, and seven, right? Let's say we end the year that way. Then... Mm, Pac-12 tournament? Yeah. It, that also depends on how we perform at the Pac-12 tournament. If 11-7 if and seven keeps us in the top four, that's huge. Because then we won't have that first round game. Right? Yeah. And we'll have that first round by and we'll start playing in the quarterfinals. But if we drop anywhere outside of that and we lose that first one too, then it then then it's done. You're winning the Pac twelve tournament is is more likely if you don't have a game on that first day. Okay. Hold on, I'm looking at the uh, bracket project. We are the on ESPN we are the first four oh, out. No. They have us as an eleven seed right now. Yeah. Joe Lenardi said that he he still underrates the Bears. He actually said it on Twitter um, that he underrates the Bears and that they're they're actually a sneaky good team that's getting better. Didn't Reef say that no one should ever trust Joe Lenardi? Yeah, no, no, no. That's so funny. Yeah, so that's that's. But Conzo's teams have historically gotten hotter and hotter as the season's mm-hmm. gone on, mm-hmm. which happened last year, which happened the year before. Um, happened with Tennessee. What happened with Tennessee. And what happened that last year with Tennessee? They made it to the Sweet 16. Gosh, that would be fun. Yeah. So I think that's, that's key for us. I think getting into the tournament, that alone is huge. Because I say this to everyone that asks me about March Madness. I say... When they asked me about, like, oh, how should I set up my bracket? I said, you know what? You can pick and choose. You can literally flip a coin for every single game, and you might be right. It's anyone's game come March, and that's all that needs to happen for us. We just need to get into March. Then we can start making the noise. It's a, it's a clean slate once March happens. Like, of course, the seeding's there, right? But that's based on your record in the past, you know? Hello, Lehigh against Duke a couple of years ago, right? It, it it just it happens all the time. Hello, uh, what's it? George Mason University back in the early two thousands. Like it, it, it's anyone's game. Yep. Once we get in, that's where the fun starts. And hopefully, dear God, dear God, please, <laughs> let's not have any random you know scandals and and uh, wrist breaking incidents and you know back spasms that happen in two weeks leading up to our first NCAA game. Do you know that UC Davis is currently projected as a 16 seed? 
Yeah, I believe they're number one in their conference. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that would be a huge bummer because I feel like I would really – I mean, I guess this game Thursday, this is going to be a tough game. Because yeah, playing State, like, let Ivan go ham against them last time, and I don't know why they let him do that. But I don't think they're going to do that. They're no. not going to let him get away with that this time. So. And playing in Tempe is – is it? yeah, it's Tempe. Playing in Tempe, that stadium is actually pretty hard just because of the current distraction. You'd be, you'd be surprised at how innovative those guys are and how annoying it is. Oh, the curtain thing? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's hilarious to watch sometimes, but it's also <laughs> really annoying, I'm pretty sure, as a player. I thought you were saying it was distracting to be in there. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> uh, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, so that hmm. pretty much wraps it up. Any other thoughts for basketball? Um... I did have one. I feel like I've been really underwhelmed so far with uh, Domingo's production. Yes. And I, that was someone I was hoping would really step into a new role this year. Yeah, and it's I think been, everyone did too. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a little bit of a waiting game. Yeah. I mean, just so people know, we have five scholarships coming off the books this year. Who? Domingo's one, Rogers one, Sam is one, Jabari is one, and Ivan, Grant Mullins. Oh, and then and then well, I mean, I'm just saying those are seniors. Like those are gone for sure. Wait, Mullins is only here for one year. Yeah, because he's a grad transfer. Oh, so he's only here for one year. So there, there's that. The only reason I don't count Ivan is because as much as we all believe that he's going to the NBA this year, which I think as well, it's just I only I only account for the seniors just because you can never know. I mean, last year we thought Ivan was going to leave too, but then he decided to stay. So, be awesome if he stayed. Yeah, him and Marcus. Him and Marcus Lee. Oh, dear Lord, have mercy on. <laughs> Along with the two youngsters that we bring in, the two. Yeah. Okay. That's that's wishful thinking. <laughs> wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. What about you? Um, Do you have uh, any final thoughts for basketball? I would. Here's the thing. I think I think this team plays the level of competition. If we play a team that's not as good as us, we don't play as well. We play down. We play down. Mm-hmm. When we play guys that are better than us, we play up. The only asterisk to that rule is that Oregon game when we played in Oregon. Oof, that but that's also because Ivan was absolutely – he could not shoot. He could not buy a basket for his life. So there was that. Um, but the Virginia game, the Arizona game, you know, the Seen Hall game, like all those, all games that we played up to our competition – and San Diego State came as well. And that's Ivan was just just coming back from that foot injury in mono. So yeah, I think that or that hand injury. I mean, so yeah, if that ha- if that's the case, if we played our if we played our competition, we just need to somehow get ourselves in March. I think once we get in our into ourselves in March, I think all anything's fair game. I. Because my thought process is I'm, I'm a true believer of, like, the underdog mentality and, like, just redemption. You know, that type of um, mindset going into games. And for us to go into March Madness next year, there's a lot of guys that are looking their chops. Like, Ivan, yes, because how of how that Hawaii game went. Jabari is probably insanely mad at himself for what had happened. Um, and then there's a bunch of guys on that roster like Roger and Mingo and Sam who played in that Hawaii game and just couldn't couldn't get it done. So I think there's there's that mentality there. Like we're going to redeem ourselves the next time we go. But they just need to get themselves to that point. And of course, Charlie's the big X factor there because as you saw in that Utah game, when he's when he's in the zone and like in that moment of like the game is on the line, he plays so much better. Uh, his all his senses are heightened. The steals that he made in overtime and in the second half, as Konza said, he's a competitor. Like he's not, he does not shy away from the big moments. Um, he wants those shots, and we saw that in the UCI game for sure. Mm-hmm. So I really think I think we might have one of those games come March. Like if we're in March, I really think at least one of those halves or one of those games that we play, even if we just play one, or if we play more. Charlie's going to have one of those games where he's going to say, hello, world. 
to the entire nation. Like, I am here <laughs> in Berkeley, California. Um, yeah, but that's it. Um, I did I did want to talk about just one last thing for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. About Under Armour. And not, not about the whole, you know, he's Kevin Plank being a part of Trump's uh, advisory, economic advisory board and whatnot. But more so, Avi just uh, tweeted out some things about um, their stock. Under Armour stock is apparently plummeting, um, and apparently also their credit is not in good standing. So, I want to play a little what-if game. What if this Under Armour deal doesn't go through? I mean, we're signing them with the contracts and everything, right? But let's say over the next couple of months, something happens where Under Armour has to pull out and we get paid from it because they pulled out of the contract. Is there any apparel company that you would want to see take over as Cal's main sponsor? Dude, I I thought we just went through this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> um mm, fascinating. It, it's I didn't even know uh that Under Armour was I heard, tanking. The, heard the stuff about the you know, support of Trump and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't know about the the stock, so I wonder specifically. Looks like they seem to miss some of their revenue projections. Yeah. So, uh, who would I want? So I I wouldn't want to go back to Nike. No. Uh, I feel like we were. I do agree with all, everyone that made the point that we're sort of the second class citizen. Yep. When it came to them in the Pac-12. So, I don't know, why not? Probably go with Adidas. Usually they had tight stuff, you know? Yep. They had, and they did really want UCLA, and they were in it to win it at the end with them, so. Arizona State has nice stuff. I think Under Armour will be fine. Of course. I think so, too. I think long term, that, that makes sense. Um, but let me just read you this article from, uh, or just give you an excerpt from what Avi posted from. This is from Bloomberg. Yeah. Under Armour's credit rating is cut to junk by S&P amid slowdown. So the athletic apparel brand sold $600 million in notes in June. S&P cites heavy competition in North America, and the bonds tumbled. Um, their junk, the junk rating deals a blow to a company that sold $600 million in notes. Uh, the bonds plunged as much as 4.5 cents on the dollar to 87.75 cents. That, yeah. Their rating went from a double B plus to a triple B minus. Putting it one notch below investment grade. Gotcha. <clears throat> so, so the S&P is advising you not to invest in Under Armour. As just in terms of our rating. Man, I'll tell you, I've gone to their Under Armour store and those shoes suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wear my Curry 2s, but only to specific locations, and any other shoe in there is just still so ugly. I don't know who they are employing as designers, but I'm shocked they haven't been able to get somebody in there to design a sick-looking shoe outside of the Curry 3s. Yeah. Some of the Curry shoes are dope, but I don't really wear basketball shoes. Yeah, I'm not one of those that wears basketball shoes around, like, other than on the basketball court. Right. Since I don't get on the basketball court. <laughs> uh, so here's just one more quote from the S&P pointed to concerns that sales will slow over the next two years and that, quote, margins will weaken due to intense competition in North America, a shift in growth towards less profitable international markets and the athletic footwear segment, end quote. The brand's expansion plans, which include a big push overseas, are also driving up costs, the rating firm said. Mm. Dang. And Kevin Plank, the CEO, also just threw his entire marketing and, and you know, R&D staff under the bus by saying that the company's offerings weren't fashionable enough to win over shoppers, which that is true. Accurate. Yeah. So on Tuesday, Under Armour shares plunged 23% to $19.22. The CFO left. Yep. Well, that's not good. I mean, it's not great. It's not great. It's not but uh, I mean, I'm they're not pouring in money like they are into us as they are into UCLA. But if you add those two together, that's a lot of money they're pouring into in in wanting return, right? Mm-hmm. And not only are they investing 
at least for us, they're not just investing the the apparel, right? They're also investing other things too. Like they're they're making that flagship store, um, or at least they, they said they plan to. Um, some some stuff about you know research positions and also internship positions for Cal students at Under Armour. So yeah, this is uh this this news came out of the blue, but it's not it's not looking good. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it other than this is something that we actually do have to watch over the next couple of months because if they go if they go even further downward, they'll get acquired. Yeah, they'll get acquired. But where does that deal with us stand? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm sure, it's fine. <laughs> Taking the, it's all good. It'll work itself out. Work itself I'd be out. really excited if we somehow got Adidas. I'd be, I'd be stoked. Hmm. But yeah, that that wraps it up. That's pretty much it. I just wanted to give that little no, insert. It's fascinating. It. I think yeah. it's, it's absolutely fascinating and. and Right to call attention to it. It's very, very interesting. So, yeah, that's something to, to keep a note on. Um, other things to keep a note on is potential assistant coach hires over the next couple of weeks. Because, um, of course, Wilcox did say he expected to be sooner rather than later. Um, oh, I'm sorry. We forgot to talk about one more thing. Uh, that tight end from Michigan that wants to come home. Uh, Devin Asiasi, who is uh, arguably four-star, five-star guy. At Michigan, played 13 games last year. Uh, apparently, who is feeling a little homesick and wants to come home. What team has a need for a tight end now? He played at De La Salle, by the way, which is about an hour's drive from Berkeley. So, I don't know. And we just hired a new tight ends coach. Who's a really good recruiter. Really good recruiter. Can <laughs> uh, the stars align? Yeah. Well, oh, one more star aligning with that would be, can you... Guess who his uh, lead recruiter at UCLA was? Tui. Exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Tui is the one that pulled T- Tagaloa and tried to convince him to come to UCLA, too. Gotcha. But Tui's now here. Mm. I, there's a connection, Bruin. And everyone's saying that USC would be the number one option here, but mm, I don't know. He's actually from Concord. His family's still up here. <laughs> Uh, get one foot in the door. You know this. This could end up being like a D-Rob situation where maybe like they don't expect education. us. Yeah. yeah, they don't expect us, and then bam, just like Jalen Brown too. That was <laughs> that. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I wrote that scouting report for Jalen Brown after the news broke that he had visited Cal, and none nobody from Cal knew that he had actually visited. It was from some. Michigan website that said that he was visiting Cal after or before he visited Michigan, and we just, everyone went nuts. <laughs> everyone, everyone shrieking. Everything's on fire. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it could be one of those. And we would, I would assume. I don't know how the NCAA rules work, but I would assume if it's due to family reasons, you probably won't have to sit out, right? Uh, I think he'd have to sit out a year. He'd have to sit out a year. I don't know. I think. Oh no! Oh, there's a uh, there's a difference between the two. It's is if if you're homesick and you voluntarily decide to transfer out, you have to sit a year. But let's say like a parent sick or a grandmother sick, gotcha. and you want to be near them, mm-hmm. then you can apply for a waiver and they'll let that pass because gotcha. that's it's yeah that makes sense. They have ex- like exclusions, so I don't know what the case is why he wants to move back. Whether it's homesick or whether you know someone in the family's ill or he needs to be closer to home. For some other reason, but whatever it is, if he comes here, I'm all for it. Yeah, it'd be really cool. It'd be very, it'd be super exciting. <laughs> yeah, that would be the the home run recruit that you know. I think a lot of people might have kind of expected. Hey, maybe there's a secret recruit that we haven't gotten. You know, in Wilcox's class. This might be it. Woo wee! All right. Uh, are you writing anything for the website this week? No, just the pod. Just the pod. Just the pod. Are you not on recap duty for Oregon. the Oregon game? Yep. Okay, so Saturday. No, no, no. Oh, Oregon in two weeks. Yeah. That's right. Arizona is on Saturday. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, me right now, uh, the well, I'm, I'll be on game duty for both uh, Arizona State and Arizona games in the Insta recap. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I want to write something long form, uh, but that's still to be TBD. 
But other than that, yeah, uh, once spring, spring football starts up, I'll be having some more stuff up too. Can't wait. Can't wait for spring football. Oh, please, let them be open. please let them be open. Please let them be open. Please let them be open. All right. Um, as always, you can find our stuff on CaliforniaGoldenBlocks.com. You can find this SoundCloud if you're already listening to it. Probably sound found it on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, you can also subscribe to us, um, comment, email, all that good stuff. But no one's been sending us emails, which is kind of sad. Uh, at cgbbearcast.gmail.com. Please send us emails. We love getting emails. Don't we? We do. We do. Uh, I just answered my own question. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Rob11HWANG. You can find Andy at AndyJBSmoke. Um, also, hashtag unfollow Nam. If he gets to 2,000 uh, followers, Nam is officially retiring from Twitter. So Wait, he's, trying to get, he's trying to get people to unfollow him <laughs> so that he can stay on Twitter. Yes, this is this I'm is actually so confused. this is so true. Yeah, I'm yeah. always so confused. Yeah, with Nam, nothing nothing is nothing is real. I don't understand either. First, it was who's going to win the race to 2000. Now it's if I have 2000, I'm no longer on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, yeah, so I'm lost. <laughs> Same as me. Same as me. <laughs> All right, and that wraps it up for us. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.